It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. What's up, Dallas? I like standing up here before you as an undrafted free agent representing that shield for 15 years. Tonight, I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East champs, divisional champs, <laughs> NFC champs, and It is episode three twelve, uh, Redux, I guess, because uh, we got Capadiate on the on the last three twelve. It was supposed to be this. We had this nice, wonderful preview. James Seltzer was, uh, you know, enlightening my my happiness and my core, talking about <laughs> Mark Grace, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it got Capadiate. And uh, thank you to the WIP Studios for eating it. But nonetheless, we've had a lot of fun throughout the weekend. I got to say. Thank you so much to everybody that tuned in to our live coverage. I apologize for day one. Uh, Chicken Pizza is a fantastic place. They were just having little issues with the Wi-Fi going in on Thursday night. But uh, the Wi-Fi God said, let there be at least two and a half hours of uninterrupted programming. So thank you to everybody tuned in on Facebook and Mixler. And just an enormous shout out uh, to Michael Kist and Benjamin Solak for hanging with for four straight hours. Nailing everything as the draft went along. So uh, it's something that we always want to do. We want to provide you with the uh, best analysis that we can to give you an alternative. Plus, we kind of want to be at ESPN and Fox and all that stuff because it's a little fun to do that, too. I'm not going to lie. But uh, thank you to everybody tuned in. And, of course, all of you out there that are listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Satchel, TuneIn, and the many other podcast apps that you listen to us, thank you. Uh, BLG. 
How are we doing on reviews? I know that uh, everybody's been doing a fantastic job. We've got over 800 like star ratings, and we were humming right around just under, I think, 370 with, uh, with the reviews. How are we doing right now? Yeah, we are up to 830 ratings, so Ooh. just 170 shy of the 1,000 five-star ratings mark but when it comes to the reviews we are at 388 so make sure you go in and leave a review give us even if it's a sentence just let us know what you like what you don't like uh make a funny joke do something give us something there in the reviews yeah for sure uh because the pizza party is almost there and we need uh, as many stars as possible james seltzer how are you feeling tonight pal John, I feel fine. I just feel for all the listeners because, as always, whenever an episode gets kapadiad, it was the greatest episode we've ever recorded. I mean, we were all just firing on all cylinders. I don't think I've ever been funnier or more witty in my life. Uh, It's just a shame everyone won't hear it, you know? Yeah, take uh, everybody's word for how good it was, and this will only be a representation of uh, episode 312, which, by the way, because we are in... You know, area code uh, territory, uh, and I can't believe we haven't thought of this before. That's what we're going to start doing. So episode 312 happens to be a big city because the 312 is indeed Chicago. So what's up, Chicago? Hello. Uh, If you are listening in Chicago, let us know for sure. But we're going to play a little game with every city that we come across. We're going to play two facts and a lie. So... Uh, James, do you want to start out with uh, trying to uh, with your fact, and then people have to identify whether it is true or not? I sure do, uh, and I shit you not. My fact is great because people are going to think it's not real, but it's so real and it's hilarious. The Chicago Blackhawks used to have a forward by the name of Peter Anelbutt, but it was spelled A N Y L B U T and pronounced anal butt and look it up. It is a fact. Anal but somebody on the Blackhawks was yes, named a forward named Peter Anal. That's almost too ridiculous for it not to be true. BLG, do you have a Chicago fact for us? I do, and you guys know I like food. You may have heard this somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a rumor going around. Uh, they're over. 5,000 restaurants in Chicago. Obviously, you have your deep dish pizza places, which are fantastic, and I will hear no deep dish pizza slander. And a lot of them don't allow ketchup. 5,000 seems like a lot. Yes. But, I mean, like, think how big it is, you know? I mean, Chicago's a pretty big city. 5,000 restaurants, I would say that's... Yeah, and the fact they don't allow ketchup seems even more ridiculous because no, ketchup is terrific. No, I will not tolerate uh, a pro ketchup uh, on this podcast at all. Actually, I will because I just did. But uh, I love that Chicago doesn't allow ketchup on their foods. Sorry, continue, BLG. And neither do we, John. Whenever we, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm over there uh, just the other week, for example, getting an order of a good Woodrow cheesesteak. They, mm. they give you a side of ketchup and... I just let you do the honors. Just put that thing right in the trash. Throw it out immediately. That's all right. Um, I don't, it's no joke. It's exactly what you're supposed to do with ketchup. Gentlemen, did you know that in Chicago in the 1920s, it was the first time that the zoot suit was created? So for all the swingers <laughs> out there, 1920, no I guarantee you the zoot suit was created in Chicago. I feel like the zoot suit was created in New York. I feel like it was. I uh, I mean, New York makes sense because it's the only two spots where it could be, either where the mob was or where the film business was. So, hmm. yeah, we'll have to. Uh, hmm. So, so again, at BGN Radio, hashtag Chicago Facts. Should we go with that? 
Sure. And then just name name who's lying with their fact, and we'll, we'll reveal it uh, at the end of the week, and we'll have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, aside from don't all Google that, Google it. That's cheating. Obviously, yeah, don't don't try and Google it. Just you know, once you hear this, be like, all right, I got a good guess here. Even though some people will, but that's okay. Obviously. <laughs> um, uh, more importantly, gentlemen, and right now, if you uh, haven't listened to it already, the Kist and Solak show have a comprehensive breakdown of everything about this draft, and we're certainly going to get into that, too. That's episode 32. This is 312. And we're going to tell you, at least rank for for all of us, and I think this is a good idea, what was the most important in this draft and certainly all the takeaways from it as well. But, BLG, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what, what do you think was the most important thing that happened in this draft? I think the most important thing the Eagles did in this draft was, and it's going to be a very anticlimactic answer, oh, I think. Oh, it's such a BLG answer, isn't it? It's trade down from the first round. Is I, that what I, you're I, thinking? I don't. I mean, I don't hate it. I'm just ringing the bell because that's yours. So I, 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 I'll tell you my thoughts, but explain to the people why. All right. So you look at this year. And we, all we were talking about going into this year's draft is the Eagles don't have a lot of these immediate needs. And I think that's very true. So anyone you were really drafting this year wasn't giving you a ton of instant impact by default. I remember talking to James about this before the WIP show. I was like, you know, the draft is just so it's so different this year. It's almost just like, who cares? Because it's like, look. You know, for as much time as we spend looking at mock drafts and things, none of these guys are even going to make a big impact this year especially. So I think getting that pick for next year, and look, Baltimore could very well be not very good at all. So you're getting that second-round pick. That could be a good second-round pick, the most valuable pick of them all, as we all know. <laughs> um, and I, I think there's so many players who are going to be free agents after this season. You'll get Brandon Graham. Uh, he could get resigned, but for now. His contract is up. Chris Long, um, you could be moving on from Michael Bennett, Ronald Darby, Jay Ajayi. There's a, a list, a long list of players there who are going to be free agents. The Eagles will have, for right now, projected, not official with the compensatory picks, but projected to have 10 in next year's draft. So I think that's really important to have those options there. And like I said, you're going to have at least three in the top 64. So I think that's really important to get that pick and this year, it wasn't just about this year. Like They made five picks. It wasn't anything super exciting, but you get that asset for next year, and I think that's really important. James, I, I don't really disagree because you, and, and we're obviously going to get into it, but not only do they get that important second-round pick, the most important one in 2019, but they still kind of get their guy in front of that in Dallas Goddard. And I, I think BLG is onto something, and certainly we talked about that over the weekend where you're going – you know, 2019 is going to be the most important probably draft year because you got to pick Carson Winston next year and you got to find guys that are going to replace some of these big time guys. You know, we don't know. Maybe Jason Peters ends up playing in 2019 as well. I don't know. Uh, they, they've gotten uh, some look, what looks to be uh, some pretty good uh, UDFAs and, and some depth there. They're going to certainly try out a guy with uh, who's played rugby his entire life at left tackle and we're going to try and get into that a little bit too, but I, I'm with BLG a little bit. I, I think that's uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from this draft. Yeah, I don't know how you can take it any other way, especially because, like you mentioned, John, they got the guy who we don't know if they wanted at 32, but I know that a lot of 
Eagles fans, a lot of draft people, whatever you want to say, would have been very happy with them landing at 32 and they still go back and get that second rounder for next year, especially when you think about how little draft capital they've had the last couple of years. You know, you it's all worth it. Obviously, you get Carson Wentz, but, you know, they didn't have a second round pick, the, the Wentz year. You know, uh, last year, you take Sidney Jones, who obviously, I think, you know, you saw Howie Roseman say they put on their draft board this year as a part of this year's draft, which is just just awesome. I love that. And it, it should be. But, you know, they, they over the last three years, they, they haven't had the same draft capital that they normally like to have. And like you guys said, I mean, it's crucial to build with young guys when Wentz's contract does come up because whether or not Wentz, and we talked about this, I don't know if I've ever, can think of anybody taking less money on that first contract. Obviously, there's the Tom Brady's of the world who down the road end up, you know, giving money back or whatever you want to say. But... I mean, no matter what it is, it's not like Carson Wentz is going to be so magnanimous that he's not going to get paid close to what he deserves. He's going to be a big onus on on that salary cap. So I, I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. I think trading back, getting a guy you wanted, but also restocking that draft capital for such an important draft next year where, and who the hell knows, you know, they, they say this every year where it's like, oh, next year's class is so much better, but it does seem like next year's class is supposedly at least deeper and, and a little more top heavy. So um, I, I, I'm with you guys. Like, you know, there are a lot of stuff we can get into, especially like you said, the, uh, the, the clearest uh, future front runner for the potential Henry Josie award in uh, in Mytala, even though I hope he, he makes the team. People are going to be all <laughs> over that guy. They love him already. But uh, I think, I, I don't see how you can look at it any other way, but to go back, get a legit weapon who can, who can help you now even, and get a second rounder for next year was just, it was, it was perfect. Uh, I want to stick with Jordan for a little bit because you brought it up, and, uh, and, and then I want to go back to James and, and see what his like, overall uh, take was from this draft. But uh, w- with Jordan, is, and it, how does, what is it again, guys? Is it Maliata or is it Malata? Maialata. Maialata? I think it's Maialata okay. is the way Mylotta. I think it's. Okay. Yeah, at least that's how it reads. First of all, accent of an absolute gentleman. I think we can all agree on that. Secondly, he's a 21-year-old kid that looks like he's 28, and he and, looks like he's 45. Yeah, and like he's like, like and he's like been at like a, a bodyguard for someone for 20 years, and he just like kills people or something. He is like such a beast of a human being. Did yeah. you guys see the quote about him from uh, like he was? They wanted him to lose weight. And like he couldn't because like yes. it wasn't like he like he's just that big like it's, it's not like he had all this fat on him it's just like he's so big and they wanted him to lose weight but he couldn't. <laughs> well, and, and I'm gonna uh, exemplify that by because I heard Mike Mayock right before they interviewed him on the NFL Network that came up and said I got a text from a scout and the scout told yes. me at the combine the largest lean muscle mass that was tested at the combine which means it you know. All, all of your body is 265 in lean mass muscle, like all of that. With him, it's 295 wow. yeah. for a guy that weighs 347 pounds. So you're talking about a guy that is basically his bones and organs make up the rest of his body weight and everything else in there is a, the tiniest fat ever and all muscle. And you're going, whoa, no wonder everybody was just like, yo, we got to go and get this guy. And I saw a couple of different reactions. One, 
people were semi-offended about seventh-round picks, which, come on, guys. They are seventh-round picks. They uh, these are This is flyer type of era where you're just, let's see what we can do with this. And for those of you that really wanted Bo Scarborough there, no, you don't. No. The, there is, there, there is, I mean, that is, is no. just pl- plain Jane is a running back you could get, plus you already did that with Josh Adams. And I'm not saying, and listen. I'd I've rather all, have Josh Adams. Yeah, and, and we've already gotten ourselves in trouble with saying he just looks like a guy and all that stuff with Corey Clement. So, yes, everybody can have their opportunities to go out there and bust their butt and all that, but you're getting Josh Adams at a UDFA price and whatever. You know, Warrington's own comes home. We can root for that. There's so many disgusting Notre Dame fans in Philadelphia that they're going to go wild for it, and that's going to be great. That's a guy that could potentially be uh, the LeGarrette Blunt of this running back core. Plus, more importantly, Darren Sproles is back, and I know we didn't know that at the time, but fucking A right. So... That my two biggest takeaways were was was one that that was that, and I I'm gonna give you the optimism on Jordan working out here. Here's the difference, and I've I've heard a bunch of offensive line coaches say the same thing. If they were to take a seventh round guy and some of the other UDA UDFA's that came in there, like they they signed an offensive tackle from uh, LSU. So those guys are going to have their habits already built in from whatever mm-hmm. O-line coach that they've worked with. So to, to get a guy that you can teach how to angle block and do all that other different stuff to really go, I don't know anything about the game. They're like, perfect. You ha-. And by the way, this guy ran a fucking 5140 at 347 <laughs> pounds. So Monster. Uh, am I expecting him to uh, to come out in year one and be ready to be a backup tackle? Absolutely no. not. In year two, though? Hmm. Maybe because well, look, it depends Andre- on how smart he is, and it depends on how fast he can grasp it. He doesn't need to know every football thing ever. He just needs to know how to play tackle. And if Jeff Stoutland is as good as a coach as we all think he is, and can work with him for two years, even if he ends up on a practice squad, away, I, I just here's my prediction that'll probably be, end up being wrong. He will make an active roster spot. There you go. Because I, I I think that. Yeah, it's it's almost impossible for this guy not to be something in the NFL, and he has got the perfect frame, size, and good God is he athletic if he's running a five one at three forty seven. So I'm thinking Jason Peters. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm going full optimism here, even though I'm going to be completely wrong. But uh, the draft gives us hope, and that's where I have hope here, James. Yeah, I, I I I love you for that. That is uh, super aggressive, but I'll 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 back you up on some things. One, look for them to use a seventh rounder on a guy who they basically drafted off YouTube tape. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that says, says something. something like off YouTube tape and, and, and athletic numbers, you know, and trade it up for him. Like that says something. Whether or not seventh rounders are flyers or not, they're still draft picks you know like and i agree with you john like why not take a shot on this guy would you rather have like brian mahalik back or dave <laughs> king or any of these other guys you've taken shots on in the seventh round totally agree there Deep and cuts. i think uh, uh uh jason peters is a bit of a different comp because he played football so much and this is a bad comp too but like 
the the name that pops in my head is Alejandro Villanueva, mm-hmm. a yeah, guy well, who was a just a giant who was away from the game and was just athletic as hell and huge and didn't have any bad habits. And he's the starting left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think he might have been like he was definitely a pro bowler. He might have been like an all pro. I don't think maybe that far, but like he's like a legitimate left tackle in the NFL. And that guy was was nothing that Chip brought in as like a flyer because he was like a Guy who was in the military and seemed like a yeah. good story and like take a shot because he's huge and athletic. That was kind of the vibe I got here is like at least take a shot on someone who's big, athletic, and they can train him to do what they want to do. And I'll I say, love, oh, sorry, go ahead, BLG. I love how we started with a seventh round pick. <laughs> I, think that's great. I don't think that's the most important. I think that's the most intriguing part of this draft because yeah. uh, uh, there are certainly more important things about this. But uh, I, I will also say this. With with rugby players, and granted, I've only seen one on the Eagles before, and that's Adam Zaruba, does not know how to play a lick at tight end. You can tell, like, instantly. Like, you know, his hands are still pretty decent, doesn't know exactly where he's supposed to be. I'm sure the terminology's all over the place. But he stepped in there, and he fucking blocked right away. Yeah. It, like, it was nothing to him, you know? Because he knew he it, had to do it to stick. Like, he had yeah. to, like, give a shit and not just be like, oh, yeah, I don't care about blocking. It does. Tra- some of the game does transfer. That's the other thing too. I'm really intrigued by this guy, and I I hope he sticks. So, uh, with that said, James, uh, what is the most important part of this draft for you? Uh, yeah, out. Let's say outside of the trading back, because I think we can all agree. I mean, that was their most high stakes move. The most, you know, um, uh, you know, the biggest thing that they did, and then and the taking Goddard there as one kind of combined thing. So I will go with uh, I will go with I think that what they did was they effectively took guys who have real athletic upside or real uh, potential upside at for the most part filled somewhat positions in need. I think Avante Maddox. Yeah, no, that's it. You get the ding. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I yeah, I think Avante Maddox like that's a guy who's super athletic can come and we talked about his his sixty yard speed being in what the 99th percentile or something insane like that um and and he comes in he fits in need immediately uh you know same thing with goddard obviously traded back for him but but comes in and fits in need immediately uh even uh prior who you know who knows with the weight and stuff but that comes in and potentially adds some depth along the line um you know i think sweat is the only pick that you could say isn't necessarily a need but we talked about on the show on saturday on wip how you know, they still have to start to think about the future at that position as well, especially with the Brandon Graham situation, with Michael Bennett being an older guy. Like Chris that, Long. That is, yeah, yeah, Chris Long, exactly. So I think you really fortified some positions that you needed to fortify while still getting guys who were the right picks in those spots. Yeah, and, and I'll even say that I think that Josh Sweat is the best steal of this draft for them. Sweat. Where they got sweat. Uh, I love yeah. this podcast where John is saying, uh, my lotta is Jason Peters, and Sweat was a steal of the draft. Well, he was. He was. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, when you like, look I, at the athleticism, it makes sense. Like, he should have – I understand the injury, but, like, he should have gone higher based on upside alone. Yeah, I mean, he should have been an easily a day two guy uh, because – and especially what you were saying there, James. I mean, yeah, he uh, to me, he is the new Chris Long and Derek Barnett's going to be the new BG. Uh, and you're going to have to wait and see, just like you said, what happens with Bennett and where all these things end up. And uh, we asked this question to, to Trey on the Saturday show, BLG, but I'm curious, do you think that's kind of a knock on the door for him now? Who? 
for for Brandon Graham. Like now that there's like oh, yeah. so many defensive ends, it's just like okay, uh, you're, we're not going to pay you. That's what this all this mm. tells me as well. I, no, I don't. I don't think it's that far because I don't think Sweat is near. I don't think he's ready to contribute right away. I think he's kind of more of a developmental guy in this scheme, especially coming to a scheme where he's going to be attacking more than he did in college. I think it's oh, kind no, of but like, I'm, yeah. but I'm saying I'm putting the combo together. Like you can hold on to Bennett for another year if you wanted to. Yeah. Still have Josh develop behind him and so on and so forth. That's what I mean by that. I still I think it gives them more leverage over Brandon, Brandon Graham is what it does. I I don't think it's like well Brandon Graham is gone after this year for sure. I think it gives them. Uh, I think it's kind of like insurance in case that happens. I still think they have interest in in resigning Brandon Graham long term and. On the topic of Josh Sweat, I mean, this needs to be pointed out. I think it's being very undersold. How crazy is it that Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett could be like the cornerstone defensive ends of this team for years to come? And where did those two picks come from? They came from the Sam Bradford trade. That is amazing to think about. Hello, Rick Spielman. Like, just imagine like those guys terrorizing the Vikings for years to come, and then like they have to be like, shit. Like that is because we <laughs> traded for Sam Bradford. Yeah, kind of like Let's... how the Giants are gonna have to watch Sam Darnold be a star and oh have to say, God. "Shit, we could have <laughs> taken that guy." I, uh, I, I, I could not want. I had to. I had any non Carson Wentz quarterback to succeed more in the NFL. Me too. That's exactly me too. What James said to me all day Saturday, he just like wouldn't <laughs> let it go, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I'm right on that train too." And that's uh, speaking of which. So uh, for our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash BGN radio, uh, we're going to flip some roles around. I'm actually going to take over the B show that Vince Quinn was doing. So as soon as you're done with this, definitely head on over there because I'm going to break down every single piece of that draft, including right now as we're recording this on a Sunday night. Adam Schefter's just tweeted out the Cowboys coach Jason Garrett is actively trying to persuade Jason Witten to play his 16th season. Like he is, he's going, I want to go to the booth. Listen, asshole, we restructured your contract. You've got to do us a solid here and at least throw your dead old bones out there for one more season before you go to, I don't think he's going to win at all. I'm, I'm sure Jason will be happy to give his bonus money back because he knows that you know, whoever's going to pay him in the booth is it'll it'll, it'll be a well, wash. It's anyway. a it's a one time opportunity in the booth. It's not like they're going to hire someone for Monday Night Football yes. and say, "Hey, we're hiring you for a year until Jason's ready." Like, yeah. Come on. And Jason, let me just tell you this: I respect the hell out of you. I know you're not listening to this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. Well, go he, to, I think he does. Go to, go to the booth, man, and not because like I, it's it's not because you're a threat to the Cowboys. I'm like, oh no, they're not going to uh, listen. You, you've given your life to that man. Go. It's time for you. You know, like you've done everything possible to try and make that work, and they need to do it on without you. I know it's tough and hard, but listen to James. It's a golden opportunity to go sit in that booth for a long time, and I actually think you'll do a great job. So, Jason Witten, please retire. Uh, also, didn't they they drafted a tight end too, didn't they? Or a couple of them? Or I don't Dalton know. Schultz. Zach oh yeah, that's buddy. right. That's right. They got Dalton Schultz. So, they, you know who by they the didn't way, draft. But- <laughs> Dallas, Dallas Goder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, also, by, wait, real... by the way, by the way, the most important part of that draft for me. Oh yeah, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, I know we're having fun with the obvious stuff, but that, my friends, and and we'll probably get into a little of a uh, of a small argument with BLG about yes. uh, you know tight ends and being in there. But sorry, James, go ahead. I was just gonna say before we get off, Jason Witten, Ray Dinger made a great point on the radio on uh, on Sunday when they were talking about it with Glenn. He said 
that uh, when you think about it, because it was the whole L.J. Smith taking before Jason Witten thing, mm-hmm. L.J. Smith will retire with more Super Bowl touchdowns than Jason <laughs> Witten ever had. Oh, Shout out to that. Sorry, Jason. Actually, I'm not sorry depressing. at all. I'm not sorry at all. Yeah, that's, oh, that's on so you, pal. great. No, it's phenomenal. But for me, Dallas Goddard is my God. I mean, like I didn't, I, I didn't know where they were going to go, but the fact that they clearly jumped in front of him, and I think so, I didn't see um, the broadcast as it was happening, but somebody had tweeted out the video of the Dallas War Room, and they were just going motherfucker like through their <laughs> teeth. That of like, of course they did that because then they wouldn't feel so bad. But now they're scrambling. They're like, please play with us. Uh, so I, uh, to me, and and. This goes back to a lot of different things that we were talking around free agency, what the Eagles were going to do with the draft. And I think there was a lot of people, including BLG, who I love very dearly, but we're also saying, just like our, our coworker Ben Livingston, and at the time, my mind wasn't on Dallas Goddard. It was on Mike Gusecki because I go, wow, that's another – I mean, if you run a, a slot scene with him, good luck. What, you know, and if you have them in 12 personnel and you're in the red zone and, like, there's so many other different ways you can use them. Uh, and Shukapati is on BLG side. So those are two very smart people. I might be the dumb one here. If Doug Peterson doesn't find a way to get both of those guys on the field at the same time for at least 35 to 40 percent of the, the, the time, then then he's not as a, a good of an offensive minded coach that, that, as I think, because those two can tear it up along with Mike Wallace. Alshon Jeffrey or Nelson Aguilar or whatever, even if they're in there and doing those things. Because the great thing and the big misnomer that all three of us agree with, he is not Zach Ertz by any recognition. Yeah, what is that? I don't feel where that comp is coming from. Mike Mayox tweeted it or had that was the graphic that popped up immediately as, as soon as he was drafted. There is no way that this kid is like Zach Ertz. They're completely different tight ends in how you play the position. And certainly you can move around Zach around the field, he'll be okay with that. You can literally put this guy anywhere, anywhere. You want to put Darren Sproles in the slot and him back at H-back? Great. That's where you can do it. You want to put him in the slot? You want to line him up like a wide receiver? He does all of that, all of that. And more so, sorry, Zach, he drags bodies for 10 yards. He, he is the yak part of this. He looks for contact. He And I don't know, again, where this, well, he doesn't block. Yes, he does. He engages, and it's about making it passable. Zach Ertz's level of blocking when he came into the league was incredibly low. And it's now still they got bad. A, and, it's well, still terrible, yeah. It's, yeah, it's passable. Really it's passable. I think this no. is. Eh, it's bad. Eh, <laughs> fine. bad. He's like a wide fine. receiver. I was trying to make it nice. These guys are torture. <laughs> but uh, even more to the point, great, because that's another thing that Zach Ertz doesn't do well. This guy engages. His technique is not that great, uh, but he's a big enough dude, and I've seen him go against corners, safeties, DNs. He wants to to demolish guys. So if they can raise his level to passable, it's going to look a lot different than what Zach Ertz does. And BLG, this is where we kind of beef a little bit. Okay. He is going to be on the field. It, it, like well, yeah, the, 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 the whole comparisons to <laughs> he's a better I'm, tight end than Trey Burton. He's a better tight end than Brent Selleck. They're mm-hmm. going to find a way to get him on the field early and often. Uh, all right. My thing. So, again, to get into the weeds here, which is a phrase I, I don't use, but I've had so many people. <laughs> I've heard so many people use that lately. So I'm using it now. 
Uh, I don't dislike the player at all. Like I like Dallas Goddard as a prospect. I think he is Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's Zach Ertz. I think yeah. he's Travis Kelsey. And that's awesome to have Zach Ertz and a Travis Kelsey kind of player who is athletic. And I think I was I tweeted out about how I think you can use him in some of those funky wildcat packages even that the Chiefs use with Travis Kelsey because I think he's you, you just you look at his spider graph, you look at his tape. I mean, he's clearly athletic and uh, a much more of a threat <laughs> to to run with the ball than than Zach Ertz is for sure. Oh, and um, just to add on to the point, never seen yeah. the, I've never seen Zach Ertz run a tunnel screen. This guy does yeah. that. Shovel passes, all of that stuff. It's really crazy. Go ahead, BLG. Yeah, you know, Zach Ertz is more of a, you know, his his route running and things like he's more refined and it's it's a different kind of style. Anyway, um getting on to so this is it's really nerdy basically. Why I don't <laughs> why I question it. It's not even that I hate it. It's just like it's I I'm questioning. It. I'm raising a question. I'm not saying like this is terrible. I'm just saying I've had this take too. This isn't like a after the fact take though, too. Like I wrote this back on like a month ago, March, on March, March 28th. 28th I was, yeah, yeah. I was looking at this article and I was like so this is an opinion I've genuinely had. And now this is more so when they were talking about taking him at 32. But, you know, it's still one round later, so that's, that's a factor. But I just think you look at, okay, Zach Ertz played 69% nice. of the snaps. Yes, nice. In 2016, yeah. or sorry, 2017. Selick only played 41. Trey Burton was at 26. And I, and I said some of those numbers were a little bit higher because Ertz missed two games. Then he didn't play really week 17. So that's something to think about. And just when you look at the two tight end sets, the Eagles ran or multiple tight end sets last year. It was thirty three percent, so it's not a lot. Now you can always say, "Oh, well, they'll just run it more." But my question is really like, "Okay, but how much more?" And um, and I don't doubt Doug Peterson will figure it out. Like that's not a concern at all in my mind. Like I, I trust Doug to figure it out. It's more about like the value of it and how much is this guy really going to play not just so much as a rookie cuz that doesn't matter like i'm not like if a guy right. doesn't play a ton as a rookie i like that's not my argument that's not like what i'm bothered by that's I, that's honestly what i would expect but the thing is like moving forward now when i was saying you know i was i brought up this argument at the time and people were like well why would you be okay then with taking a tackle who wouldn't play well that it's totally different or like a safety like those are positions where the eagles aren't going to uh, have the starter in place that they have now necessarily soon. Like Jason Peters could be gone, Malcolm Jenkins or Rodney McLeod could be gone. You're going to need that guy. Tight end is not that position because Zach Ertz is only 27. He's signed through 2021. So that's my only thing with that. I just wonder how much he's really going to get on the field. And look, it's not like playing time is the end all be all like if he can play in a limited time but make a super huge impact and you're using all these different formations and he gives you that versatility that's great my question is just like who is his playing time coming at the expense of because people Mike Wallace play, Nelson Aguilar yeah but okay but like Nelson Aguilar was really good for this team last year I know so why but you're you're mentioning wait, hold, hold on, on hold on hold right, on I'm almost, right, I'm almost right. done I'm almost done then I'll let you get in um like they were so good. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. I was just I, I just mad. thought that was Millie in room for a second. I was like, whoa, what is wrong? Um, wow. They the never last... sounded like that in life. They're <laughs> <laughs> really angry. I totally forgot the soundboard, and I was just like, yeah. freaked out. Um, but the last thing I wanted to say about that is they were so good in 11 personnel last year that like, like I don't really see the need to like drastically shift it. And I think... Like taking Mike Wallace off the field is the obvious thing because 
you know, he's not like some elite player, but I think he serves an important role. I mean, it's like a totally different role. That guy stretches the field. You look at Torrey Smith. He played 65% of the snaps last year, and I think Mike Wallace is better than Torrey Smith. So yeah, I don't so know why he should be playing less than him. And so so that's see, kind you're, of you're making the argument of less than them. I'm not saying less than a- anything. I'm saying they still found a way to do that with those guys with Brent Selleck and Trey Burton still on the field, which if you total those guys up, I mean, isn't that around 40%? I'm sorry I don't have the charts in front of you, but what did, the, what did those guys play for the entire year? Does anybody know? Yeah, I, I, it's um, for, Selleck was at 41 and Ertz, yeah, so what are we, what are we talking about? 20, well, yeah, but Ertz missed two games in there, and he barely played in the third, so that's kind of skewing that a tiny bit there. Okay, well, fair enough. But you how know, much? Inter- my question for you is, how much do you expect Dallas Goddard to play? Right, right, right around there, 30, 35 to forty percent. But then, yes. like beyond that, beyond that, probably because we I know would, Ertz is going to be here still. Yeah, but but what you're what I think, and maybe this is just me. Because when you're arguing about offensive tackles and like, well, you know, that's more important because you don't know if the guys are going to be there. Listen, I, I, with, I fully expect them to take the fifth-year option with Nelson Aguilar, but there's a chance that they don't. And even afterwards, okay, what are you going to do in the slot there? Is Mike Wallace going to be here for another year after that? I don't know. You might have to go and grab another number two wide receiver or, again, find the next Mike Wallace, <laughs> Torrey Smith, et cetera, et cetera. In the meantime, you're going to have those two guys – one, you know, work with the chemistry of of both of them and get it together where maybe wide receiver two now isn't as important because you have Dallas Goddard, you have Zach Hurts, you have Alshon Jeffrey, and then you just need a speedster. So that could come in the draft. I was, you know, that could you could go DJ Charkish type of guy uh, that went to the Jaguars. You could go in a bunch of different directions if you're looking for that. To me, I mean, you're you're setting yourself up with a safety net, so – this guy's going to be able to come in here, produce. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be instantly or not. And frankly, I would expect more of that playing time after, you know, the week five, week six, week seven. But if he's as good as we all think he is, uh, he's going to prove himself on the field, be that, be that extra safety valve. I completely get where you're coming from, BLG, but I just don't see. Uh, uh, and and it's, it's really just because I think he's so talented is he's yeah. going to make that easily forgettable, and he can soak up a lot. I mean, are we, Richard Rodgers, he going to win over Richard Rodgers? No. Or, and I, or and Billy Brown? Or no, yeah. so. And that's a big part of it. Just a, one quick thing about that is that that's a big reason why I like the move. I mean, the depth is just so important because if, let's say, Ertz does miss a game or two like he did last year, I mean – Last year, they could just count on Selleck and Burton, and it was yeah. like, didn't miss a beat. <laughs> now that the, both of those guys are gone and you're counting on Richard Rodgers, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, so like, um, and to, to me, James, uh, just from like the it working out standpoint, um, it, like defensive coordinator is going to shit their pants and go, oh, Zach Ertz is injured. Oh, but fuck, we still got to deal with him. You know, like it, there's that part of it. And then to me, when they are in 12 personnel, uh, whether that's Wallace or Nelson Aguilar, maybe they put outside, or maybe it's Dallas outside. And then there's Darren Sproles. Like, I can't tell. We were saying Corey Clement on Saturday, but Darren Sproles behind there. Oh, my God, do my tits get so red nipply hard. I, I, like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, yes, give me that in the red zone. Give me that on the goal line. You are you, you, the, the conversions of touchdowns. If everyone stays healthy and there's nothing wrong with the offensive line and all that other caveat bullshit in there, they're going to score a lot of touchdowns this year, James. John, I want to hear more about your nipples. Uh, I would say that they're at about a um, six and a half hardness. No, I like how um, you could tell he was looking down like while he answered. No, oh, I yeah, was. was. I totally was. <laughs> no, um, but I'm with you, John. I'm definitely more on, on in your way of thinking here with this in the sense that, like, 
God or whatever else you want to say, this dude's going to be a weapon. And and I think I'm I'm more towards your side in the sense that I think he is a willing and capable blocker and with the tutelage of guys like Stoutland and whatnot will be good enough, certainly passable in the NFL as a blocker. But more so, it's it's what you kind of alluded to before, the concept that you're giving an offensive genius all these wow. weapons to Love work with. Shit. Wow. An offensive genius in Doug Peterson. Come. Imagine yeah, saying that this time you last gotta, year. You got to call him like you see him, right? And Doug Peterson's an offensive genius. He proved it last season. He proved it. What else do we need to see? You're giving this guy more weapons, more ways to trick defenses, more ways to space the field, more ways to implement different types of concepts. And, oh, yeah, you got the potentially the best quarterback in the sport and certainly over the next decade the guy you want the most. I, 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 like, I don't see, and again, to, to the point just made, like, they did need depth there. This wasn't a position where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they took their, you know, 14th cornerback in the first round or whatever. Like, like they took a guy that they really needed there. And, and I think that I, I like, I'm with you, John. I think you're, you're giving another weapon to an offense that already has a ton of weapons, a ton of mismatches for defense. You know, you go 12, 13 personnel with Goddard on the field, Ertz on the field. I mean, it's going to be really tough to defend. And then you add Sproles in there and you add Clement as a pass catcher in there. I, 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 I'm i with you, John. I don't know about the, the nipples being hard part, <laughs> but everything else, uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah, uh, you got a good, thing, got going a good here. thing going here. That's right. I mean, it's just like we, there, there's, uh, there's just so many different ways to that i'm just that's what made me the the happiest out of this it's just more and more shit to add on to this pile and um you know if man if darren sproles can just stay healthy through a playoff run that's that to me they've improved in every single way from free agency and in the draft now for that second super bowl run your 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 defensive line got so much deeper this year like, what are you going to do? Do you see the Patriots loading up on what they did? Like, we have to take a guard. We have to do this. We're going to – we need a running back. We need all – and the same way, and I don't know why, because, again, the Giants really – however you feel about Saquon Barkley, not not taking a quarterback is the, is the dumbest Gettleman thing ever. And uh, they, they did the same thing. We need to have a running game We need because it's going to be torn to shreds. I, I feel great about this. Uh, I think the last thing we should touch on here, gents, before we uh, head out, is this little thing with Darius Geis. Because here's my only tiny thing with all of this. Obviously, something happened. And the way Howie answered the question about the rumors that were going around from Adam Schefter and uh, some others in Ian Rappaport that it was the worst of the worst interview ever. And Les Bowen had even pointed out that you know, in their initial combine interview, it didn't go well. And then when they came in for a visit, it was even worse and 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 bad enough to take them off their board or whatever. And then that kind of spread like wildfire. Well, he ends up with the Washington racists. So a couple of different things that I can take away from that. One, obviously something happened. I don't know if it was as the worst of all time, but because we, we've already heard already, right? I mean, like we Deuce does this all the time. Deuce is the guy that pushes buttons to get the reactions out of people all the time. So uh, they keep everything in-house. Appreciate it. I always answer on that. But I think we're all logical enough to go, probably wasn't as uh, that bad. However, does put a chip on the shoulder, and he's in the NFC East. Wondering what your takeaway is from that, PLG. 
Yeah, so I, I saw from Florio that it was the combine where the whatever oh, the blow the up combine. happened. Okay. Yeah, it, it was the combine. That's what Les Bowen had originally said as well. Yeah. Les had said that the first impression was kind of reinforced once he came to the visit, but Florio actually said the visit in Philadelphia went better. Like things were fine there, okay. nothing was too weird. I think the the pushing buttons thing is important. It makes me think back to when the Eagles brought Ezekiel Elliott in for a visit, and that didn't visit go well. didn't. I mean, Deuce Daly literally kicked him out of his office. So, yeah. yeah, it didn't go well. And I think part of why Deuce does that is because think about the 2017 season and about how you have you don't have one running back being the guy. Like Shady used to be the guy here. It's it's a rotation. And, look, if Darius guys came here, it still would be a rotation because you still have Corey Clement and you still have Jay Ajayi. It's not going to be like Darius Geis is the lead guy the whole year. That's just not going to be like that. So I think that's probably part of why they push his buttons, kind of see how he would react to that. And I think that's part of why he's not here. I mean, look, uh, he clearly fell way further than expected. I mean, carry on Johnson is like being taken ahead of him. I mean, like yep. it's it's not just the Eagles here. Like a lot of teams clearly weren't in love with this dude for one reason or another. And the fact that he goes to Washington, come on, like are like are they one of the most well run organizations? Of course no. they like, are, BLG. Of course they are. Yeah, I mean, Dan Snyder's yeah, a gem. When have they ever not done things <laughs> like correct and and yeah. right? It, ignore chemistry and and sign or uh, draft somebody. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, draft two quarterbacks. One works out, and then the it doesn't. It doesn't even work where they're good players, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's how I feel. But James, I am a, a slightly worried about the chip on the shoulder thing that you're going to see him two times a year. I am a little worried about that. Yeah, look, you never want a guy coming into games and just saying, "Screw this one team, they screwed me. I'm going for them yeah. every time I play them." Especially a guy who, for all his failings, certainly has some talent. I think we've seen that, and I think. That's what intrigued the Eagles in the first place. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's just I'm really at the point where it is so hard to take anything Washington-related as true. any sort yeah. of real threat. Like, they're a joke. Like, it is what it is. From their their racist name to the, to the performance on the field for the last 20-plus years, whatever it is, to their owner, to Stadium, everything about them. Everything. They're, they're a joke. They are a joke, and I'm just at the point where it just doesn't really, like, whatever. It, it, like, yeah, good, sure, come on at us, Darius. We're, we're terrified. Number yeah. one run defense, baby. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, and, like, you know, we're already used to that with the Sean Jackson and all that stuff where I'm going to get you, and then, you know, they, they end up bad, too. It's, it's great. It's great to be atop the NFC East, and uh, I, I know we did it on the radio show, but I think all of us are included in this. David Akers, we are so sorry, buddy. So you sorry, buddy. nailed that shit. You nailed that thing, man. That was so great. And uh, and uh, be, be, make sure to listen to our uh, Saturday show because Ike Reese sat down with us and said, I told oh, you guys awesome. were going to be fine. Also, they, he, he uh, talks about getting into uh, a fight with Trey Thomas when he was with Atlanta in that opener in 2005. I never understood why it started, and they explain how oh, that all awesome. started. It was great. Awesome. So definitely do that. That being they said, they basically just took the show over for 10 minutes, and, and we were super we happy that go. they did. It was so yeah. much fun. Uh, so that being said, speaking of Trey Thomas, we are going to start something new with him on the podcast. We're trying to get some things together, and obviously, uh, you know, Teron and Barrett uh, will be back when they're ready. I know their schedules are kind of crazy. The Next Level podcast isn't going anywhere. 
There's just a lot of off-season uh, madness happening, and people got to do a lot of different things. But we're going to do uh, or keep trade day alive the entire day on Tuesday. So we're going to just do uh, – I, I haven't come up with a good name, but if anybody can come up with a creative name for, like, Trey Thomas Mailbag, like uh, Trey Bag or something like that, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm all ears. But, but we're going to start that on Tuesday. So if you have any questions for Trey Thomas – of any kind, life-related, football-related, whatever, uh, we're going to start that on Tuesday and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, that being said, gentlemen, uh, BLG, uh, any final thoughts? And, of course, uh, we're going to record Eagle After Dark on Patreon.com slash BGN Radio right after this. So uh, your final thoughts here, BLG. NFC East champs, divisional champs, NFC champs, and world champion Philadelphia Eagles. Who won the Philly, Super Bowl? Philly, Philly! Uh, I'm feeling good. It was a good draft, I think. I, I feel satisfied with this draft. I think I, I was thinking back to last year and what I wrote about last year's class, and I, I was kind of, you know, the running back thing was bothering me, and, you know, Sidney Jones, I like the pick, but, you know, the fact that you had to wait for him for a year was kind of a bummer. I think this year, I mean, obviously winning the Super Bowl helps, let's be real, but <laughs> yes. I think I, I feel good about the class, and I feel good about what's next for the whole offseason. We're kind of settling into OTAs here, kind of winding down, and then before you know it, we'll be back with training camp. So I think we're at a good point right now. James, your final thoughts, sir. Yeah, to first echo BLG's uh, comments there. The last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, no one listening to this podcast was even born yet. <laughs> um, uh, also, I just want to thank both of you for being awesome and working so hard to to make this thing. You know, every every year we just grind, and uh, and the draft was a lot, and. Barchard for the four-hour marathon with Kiston Solak. Thank you to those guys, Ben and Tom, for coming down. Everyone who helped out, Casey Young, for showing up and giving us our, our pick-by-pick yeah. pick updates. Just, uh, I just want to thank you guys and and everyone from BGN who uh, who is awesome. Uh, yeah, get to know Casey Young's name because he's going to be doing a lot of different stuff with us behind the scenes and just phenomenal kid, phenomenal guy. And we're going to be doing a lot of cool things on the Instagram, which you can follow us at BGN underscore radio over there, too. I know it's been kind of a, a, a dormant place, but we want to expand and do some fun things over there as well. So uh, I will just echo what the guy said. I mean, this is I, I have never felt so much better because there was some things like, you know, it's going to be hard for these guys to get back and go win a Super Bowl. And there's a lot of different obstacles, and the NFC is getting better by the moment, and there's a lot of signings, and everybody's coming after them. After this draft, how about this? Fuck you guys. Come get some, because you're not going to be able to stop this team. You really are not. I, I mean, even if even if Big V's got to be there 16 games, there's so many different weapons. Carson Wentz is just mouthing and, and, and mouthing? Is, 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 frothing. Frothing at the mouth. Episode uh, hashtag right there, mouthing. Mouthing, yeah. Hashtag mouthing. Hashtag for the mouthing. Uh, that could yeah. go in some weird places, though. Yeah. <laughs> it I'm, could. I, I might check that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I just. No, it's I'm, all right. I'm, I'm blown away by <laughs> the amount of stuff that they did for not only this year, but stuff themselves up for 2019. Like, I'm ready for this team to be a dynasty and to. And, and they're slapping Tom Brady's old bones out there. You know, they want to go and do that. Drafted a kid from LSU that, uh, of course, who's obsessed with Tom Brady and gets picked in the same pick as Tom Brady. So I'm going to enjoy that storyline for about six months until it goes away and realize that he sucks. That being said, we will see you on Eagle After Dark. I am John Barchard for Brandon Lee Gouton, and, of course, James Seltzer. This has been BGN Radio. 
number 312, the real one this time, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. We'll see you guys. Super Bowl champ. Sweat.